And the great thing about Jesus Christ is that he doesn't say to you and to me, clean up your life and then come to me. Jesus says, come to me with your mess and I will take it upon myself and I will give you a brand new life. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the greatness of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. You are listening to a message preached by Pastor Bogdan Kipko at Forward Church in Irvine, California. For more information about Forward Church, please visit forward.fm. So we've been in um, John chapter 18 for the last few weeks. And if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open with me to John chapter 18. And we're going to be in verses 28 through 40. And title of my message is Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. Okay? Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. So go ahead with me to John chapter 18. And we're going to read verses 28 through 40. This is actually where Jesus is, um, is going to be in front of Pilate. This is going to be a very exciting narrative. We're continuing on. So... If you guys remember, this is um, Jesus is has been arrested. He now has gone through the religious trial, okay, and now he's going to the civil trial, which is with with the Romans, okay. So John chapter eighteen, verse uh, starting in verse twenty eight. Here's what it says. Then they led Jesus from the house of uh, Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, if this man were not doing evil, we would have not delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, take him yourself and judge him by your own lot. The Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Verse 33. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord? Or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from this world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Barabbas was a robber. So the problem that's happening here is when Jesus went to the religious leaders, they indicted him. Remember last Sunday, it was a 
illegal trial. It was a mock trial. They indicted him, they arraigned him, and they considered him completely guilty, which was obviously illegal. Now, the Jews want him dead. Remember Annas and Caiaphas, right? They're not going to have the they're not going to have the money anymore from the temple. Um, they're not going to experience all of the income that's coming in from all the sacrifices because Jesus is going to be the ultimate sacrifice. So they do this illegal trial at night and they're like, cool, now we're ready to take him to Pilate and Pilate needs to basically give us a final word to indict Jesus and this whole deal will be over, okay? So you see this like horrific plan that they made, but this is a plan that was predicted by God. So this is where we see people at their very worst and we see God at his very best. And I believe this is one of the darkest points in human history where an innocent man is led to the slaughter. That's our savior, uh, Jesus Christ. And so here is uh, the problem that the Jews are running up against because the Jews basically are saying that the reason we want to crucify Jesus is because he considered himself to be um, he considered himself to be uh, a king. Now, the Romans don't really care about blasphemy. They aren't religious. It means nothing to them. So the Jews need to come up with another charge that will stick. Well, what's another charge that will stick that the Romans will agree to? How about treason, right? And so what the Jews wanted to do is they wanted to convince Rome that Jesus is trying to take the power of Caesar. Caesar is ruling right now. And so what happens is they're saying, look, Jesus tells people to call him Lord, okay? But... All the people knew that there's no other Lord but Caesar. So essentially the Jews are also very clever in this and they're trying to basically get Jesus. And they're saying to the Romans, he claims he's a king. Because if you read the text in verse 33 and verse 37, it says, So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Pilate's trying to figure out, are you the king? Because if Jesus says that he is... It means that he's trying to overthrow Caesar. It means that he's guilty of treason. It means that Pilate can very easily just indict him. Okay? Now, who is this, who is this Pontius Pilate character, right? We talked about Annas and, and Caiaphas. Who's Pilate? Well, he's the sixth man to be in power in Judea since Rome took over. And when we look at history about this man, Pilate, he was a very cold, cruel, calculating man who would do not anything to further his purpose. And really, Pilate was just a guy who wanted to make sure that the Jews kind of stayed quiet and peaceful and that there would be no, um, no riots taking place. Imagine if like somebody is put in a particular environment and somebody tells him, look, Make sure that everything's peaceful and nothing is out of control. That's like you have one job, right? That's what Pilate had to do. Now, keep in mind, during the Passover, which when all of this is happening, Jesus being arrested and he's being indicted in this mock trial, there's over two to three million Jews that are converging upon Jerusalem. It means tensions were very high. There's a lot of talk of uprising, right? And Pilate... 
Pilate's job is to keep the Jews subdued, okay? And here's basically the problem. At this juncture, Pilate becomes a politician, a compromiser, and a coward. Because for Pilate, the most important thing right now, he doesn't care who's guilty or not. He doesn't care that Jesus is not guilty. Pilate's main goal is to keep his job. And the way Pilate is going to keep his job and to stay in power is if he keeps the peace and makes sure there's not an uprising, okay? He doesn't look at the facts. He only wants to keep his job. He doesn't look for him. Uh, he doesn't think for himself. And Pilate, in this moment, wait for it, he goes into autopilot. <laughs> he goes into autopilot. Because he only cares about himself. He's not going to speed up or slow down. He wants to keep everything smooth. He wants to do cruise control style, okay? Autopilot. It took me all week to come up with that. Um, so, so here's what we need to understand. Why is Pilate auto, all about autopilot? And I hope you understand. Now this is kind of going to be like a word association for you. Pilate is on thin ice with Caesar, who's basically his boss. So there's been two uprisings of the Jews at this point, and Caesar has stated to Pilate, look, three strikes and you're out. So Pilate is on the verge of losing his job. It's a very precarious position he finds himself in, and he has a very like, high authority, so he wants to uh, keep it. And Caesar, the emperor, was well known for executing ineffective governors. So in effect... Pilate understands either I take care of this whole Jesus thing or Caesar is going to have my head. That's pretty much what's happening. And so on one occasion when the Jews rioted against Rome, they were brought into an amphitheater and Pilate threatened to have them all beheaded. They called his bluff and, and basically uh, he didn't have authority to kill them. On another occasion, he took money from the temple treasury in order to build aqueducts in Jerusalem and the Jews again rioted against uh, Pilate, but Pilate subdued them by having many of them clubbed and stabbed to death. So you can understand that the tensions are super high. Pilate has two strikes against him. Caesar's kind of on his back like, hey, make sure you keep the peace. So Pilate's like, and, and, and the Jews bring Jesus to him. So Pilate's like, okay, I got to keep this under control. Now it's time for Jesus' trial and Pilate cannot afford for things to get out of hand. Okay, and so he's ultimately acting for what's best for him. Okay, he's doing what I believe very often you and I do, and that's called being a people pleaser. Paul, sorry, Pilate is being a people pleaser because he doesn't care about the fact that Jesus is not guilty, he doesn't care about the facts, he doesn't care about any of that stuff. His main goal is to keep the peace. Why? Because if he keeps the peace, it means he keeps his job. Pilate only cares about himself. He wanted to do what is better for him and not for the other person. He wanted to make sure his reputation wasn't ruined at the expense of another person. So the practical takeaway point for you and for me today is this. How many times in our life have we done things in order to appease other people just so that we don't look bad? Often we do that and it's actually uh, a trap because here's the thing. If you find out another person in your life likes something when you do that and you start to try to appease them by doing that, that's a dangerous position to be in because they only like you because of the thing that you're doing. 
And when you stop doing that thing and you stop trying to please them, they're going to basically turn against you. So being a people pleaser, it's only effective for a very short period of time. In the long run, you're going to be devastated. So look what happens to Pilate. He said, he's trying to ask him, are you a rival king to Caesar? And Jesus' answer is ingenious. Jesus says, you say that I'm a king. It's the same answer he gave the Jews when they asked him, are you the son of God? It essentially means this. Pilate says, are you a king? And essentially Jesus says, you got it. I am. Now it puts Pilate in this position where if you're saying you're a king, you're threatening Caesar, most likely I will have to go through with this particular tri trial. And so essentially Jesus and his sovereignty, keep in mind, Jesus is in control. The things Jesus often does in your life and in my life do not make sense. He's driving Pilate into a corner. Pilate wanted to wash his hands of this. Pilate was hoping for a quick denial of the accusation so he can dismiss the case promptly. So if Pilate would come to Jesus and say, are you a king? And if Jesus said, no, I'm not, Pilate would be like, oh, I can't do this trial anymore. The Jewish people go ahead and take him back. I'm done. There's no insurrection. There's no riots. Everything's peaceful. But Jesus has a plan. So Pilate had stood in judgment over hundreds or thousands of people over the time who always defended themselves. But here's the crazy part about Jesus. He's not defending himself because he knows Jesus is right. Now, um, my stepfather-in-law is a chaplain um, at a jail. Okay? So it's kind of a, we have a, a, a running joke in our family. Whenever we're like eating dinner together or something, he says, okay, guys, I got to go to jail. But he's just going, you know, he's just going to do chaplain duties. Um, it's hilarious, I know. Um, <laughs> And for those of you guys that don't know what a chaplain is, it's it's essentially a pastor who goes into like a jail or um, there's chaplains uh, for Marines, there's chaplains for baseball teams. It's just a special type of pastor, right? And so um, it's, a, it's cool because he goes to jail. It's always funny. You know, he, he always tells people he goes to jail, but he's not really going to jail. He's going to minister there. He has a special card and he gets them through all the security and everything. And he has like uh, people that, that come there who are basically inmates and he preaches the gospel to them. So it's pretty cool. And he tells us that whenever he talks to people, it just seems like in jail, everybody thinks they're innocent. Like, everybody's always like, no, I didn't do it. It's just, just, just the basic mantra of what happens, right? And that's kind of ironic. And, but the thing about Jesus is it's very different. Jesus is not trying to defend himself. Pilate says, are you guilty of calling yourself a king? And Jesus, in effect, is saying, guilty as charged. I am a king. So now Pilate has nothing left to do but to indict him. And we read in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7, that Jesus was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Here's the thing, friends. When you're doing things that are right, and when somebody accuses you of doing something right, you don't need to defend yourself, right? You don't need to get on a defense mode because you know you're doing the right Thing. This is exactly what's happening to Jesus. Now, we need not miss a very interesting point here. 
Look what happens to the Jews. They lead Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning, and here's what the Jews did not do. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that (laughs) they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. Look what's happening here. The Jews have just arrested an innocent man. The Jews have had an illegal mock trial at night, okay? And now they drag Jesus to Pilate's house, who's a pagan, he's not a Jew. And they now, for some reason, remember that, oh wait, we cannot enter somebody's home on the Passover who's a pagan, who's not a Jew. So now the Jews are worried about defiling themselves. Never mind that they're going to kill a guy, right? They're afraid to go into somebody's house. This is the, the level of atrocity that a person can reach when they're numb to the reality of their own sin. So if a Jew was going to partake in the Passover feast, he was not allowed to set foot into a Gentile structure for a certain period of time previous to Passover. Because if the Jews stepped into Pilate's house, even one foot in the door, they were considered ceremonially unclean and could not partake in the Passover meal. Okay? So, let me paint this picture. We have religious leaders, okay, who want to kill an innocent man because they're simply jealous of him and they're threatened by him personally, but they're not willing to step into somebody's house. Basically, this is blatant hypocrisy, okay? And I personally think that this oftentimes reminds me and might remind you of Christians today who are concerned about their outward appearance, their reputation, and what they want others to think, but in their heart, they're wicked. They have forgotten what it means to follow Jesus. And again, this kind of behavior is called people-pleasing. It's trying to protect your reputation. Now, Jesus actually talked about this. In Matthew 23, 24, he says this, You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Let me explain to you what that means. A gnat is like a little small fly, okay? And so basically what Jesus is saying is that you guys are able to make sure you don't swallow a small little fly, but yet you swallow an entire camel, no problem. What Jesus is trying to say, he's trying to paint the picture for us and say, the more important things you could care less about, but the less important things you're caring about them all the time. So essentially, you're not worried about murdering somebody, but yet you're worried about coming to somebody's house. What's worse, murdering somebody or coming to somebody's house? Clearly obvious. Like, don't murder people, right? Like, that makes sense. But they're much more worried about coming into a house and being ceremoniously unclean. This is how bad this, uh, this ceremony stuff happened. Um, when the Jews basically, when, um, when the Pharisees drink wine, okay, if like into their cup, there dropped a fly, okay, here's what they did. They had to pour it out and filter that fly out so that it came out alive. Let me explain why. Because in the Old Testament, it said that if, if, if a dead carcass came in contact with anything that you're drinking, you would be basically defiled. You'll be ceremoniously unclean, okay? Now, why do they strain out the fly or the gnat out of their wine? Because if that fly died inside their wine, it means that that's a dead carcass inside of that wine. 
And if they drank it, they would be ceremoniously unclean. If you think this is completely ridiculous, you're thinking in the right place. It is. But they paid attention to the things that were less important and did not pay attention to the things that were more important. So essentially what they did was they majored on the minors and they minored on the majors. And what I want to say today is this. Friends, we need to keep the main thing the main thing. Like for us, what's important? People meeting Jesus. People understanding that God is a good God. He saves us. Like that's what's important. And so often I think even Christians, followers of Jesus, we we focus on the wrong things. So Jesus humorously refers to the Pharisees swallowing, gulping, drowning a camel while at the same time managing to safeguard their throat from such a small thing as a gnat or a flea. Okay, it's it's so uh, um, Arab. The Arabs have a proverb that says he eats an elephant and is suffocated with a gnat. Essentially, what this means is he's troubled with little things, but pays no attention to great matters. Right. So a lot of Christians, a lot of churches, they're very concerned about like, you know, can we play drums in church or not? Here's how a pastor has to dress or not. Here's how the music tone needs to be. Can we sit or stand when we pray? Like, that stuff doesn't really matter in terms of your relationship with Jesus. Yes, there's cultures. Yes, there's traditions. That's completely fine. But those are the lesser, less weightier matters of the law. Like, when people are worried and concerned about if you're playing drums in church or if the music is too loud or not, it's like we have people dying from sin. Those things are much more important than other matters that are less weighty. So essentially, I want to tell you this. If, if, if you go out into the world, okay, and if people come to you and they say to you, this is how you have to dress, this is how you have to behave, this is how you have to act, and what they're saying does not conform to what it says in the Bible, they're putting you on you more restraints than Jesus does, and that's a bad thing. They're essentially telling you, make sure you don't swallow this, this fly, but eat this whole camel, right? It's ridiculous. So we need to watch out when people try to tell us to do things that are not in the Bible. And so in my life, in your life, let's keep the main thing the main thing, right? When people try to make you do things that are not mentioned in the Bible, they're being guilty of straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. So hopefully you guys got that concept. Now, back to autopilot, okay? Pilate says, what is truth? And after this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. And here's the thing about Pilate. He's trying to find a scapegoat. He's trying to find something to get himself out of this situation. And so he's like, oh, I know. There's a guy named Barabbas. He's a notorious criminal. Imagine like if today I would say the name um, Charles Manson or um, you know ISIS, something like that. That's the same kind of ring that Barabbas had in this context. So Pilate basically says, I can either release Jesus, who's innocent, Or I can release Barabbas, who's a wicked killer. Now, let's think about it for a moment. Let's step back, okay? What is the normal thing to do? Release Jesus or release Barabbas? Absolutely. But this crowd, and to Pilate's amazement, the people chose Barabbas. The people chose a wicked man to be set free. 
And friends, here's a practical point for you and for me. 2,000 years later, people still must make the same choice. And today, you and I need to make the same choice and say, is it going to be Jesus, the Holy One of God, or is he going to be Barabbas? So what Barabbas represents, he represents sin, he represents the world, he represents people who choose whether they are going to follow the world or Jesus. And this is the choice we need to make today. It's a choice we need to make every day. Are we going to follow the world or are we going to follow the one who created that world? And that's Jesus. And remember, if you follow, don't follow the crowd even though they're loud. And I love what uh, Joshua says in um, verse, uh, chapter 24, verse 15. He says, If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Friends, this morning, I want us to take this practical point. Make a choice today to serve Jesus with your life, in every aspect of your life, in your families, in your relationships, in your jobs, in your careers. If you make that one choice, that's the best choice you'll ever make and stand your ground even when people ask you to compromise. That's how you experience God's blessing. And so you and I, in conclusion, I want to say this, we have three great enemies. Number one enemy is the world, right? It's the people who are outside of us, who are basically trying to influence us in the wrong way. The second enemy we have is the flesh. That's basically inside of us, right? And the third enemy we have is the devil. And here's how chapter 18 pans out. We have the treachery of, of Judas, who betrays Jesus. We have the tragedy of Peter, who followed his flesh and not the spirit. And we have the trial of Jesus under Pilate. And here's basically what happens. Pilate goes on autopilot. That's something we should not do. And you know what Pilate does? He goes with the crowd. Crowd says, Pilate's like, who should I arrest? Jesus or Barabbas? Pilate's like, who? And the crowd's like, Barabbas. Pilate's like, no problem. And you know what's crazy about Pilate? In his wife was telling him, have nothing to do with this and yet he didn't listen to his wife that's like a that's a good uh, lesson for those of you who are married or are going to get married right it's a good thing to listen to your wife Pilate didn't and so some are very easily influenced by the crowd everybody's doing it but if everybody's doing it it probably isn't right so here's what I want to say in conclusion that in this story that we read in this narrative Jesus's kingdom is not of this world. Often when you begin to follow Jesus, it might not make sense, but it absolutely makes sense in God's eyes. Therefore, follow Jesus. Do not choose Barabbas. Choose Jesus. Choose his gospel and be blessed by it. Amen. You are listening to a message preached by Pastor Bogdan Kipko at Forward Church in Irvine, California. For more information about Forward Church, please visit forward.fm.